healing the healthcare system. We are actually feeling hopeful. We're feeling hopeful for our patients and we're feeling hopeful for the future of family medicine. How thousands of British Columbians have finally found a family doctor and why so many others are still waiting. Plus, pushed out of the parade. This is a community celebration and we want to be part of it. Why two groups say they're being excluded from Chinatown's Lunar New Year festivities. And a new development plan for a pet cemetery. It's horrible, they'll all be haunted. The growing opposition to building homes over a graveyard. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. And we begin with what Health Minister Adrian Dix calls a success in improving the primary health care system in BC. Thousands of British Columbians now have family physicians thanks to a new payment model and pairing system aimed at connecting more doctors with patients. But as Richard Zussman reports, there are still thousands more still looking. For thousands of British Columbians, the doctor is now in. We have people who weren't choosing to practice in community that are choosing to practice in community. The province providing an update Friday to its overhaul of the primary care system. There are now 5,000 family physicians in BC, an increase of 708 over the past year, up 16.5%. There have also been 60 new nurse practitioners, up 11.3%. For the first time in a long time, as physicians and as uh, stakeholders in this work, we are actually feeling hopeful. We're feeling hopeful for our patients and we're feeling hopeful for the future of family medicine. Nearly 80% of family doctors have ditched the fee-for-service model and adopted the new primary care funding model. And 243,000 people have been connected to a doctor in the past year, 50,000 of them through the province's online Health Connect registry. But there are more than 883,000 people without a family doctor, more than 16% of the population. Not all those people are seeking a family doctor, should be said, but a significant number are, and you can tell that by the response to the Health Connect registry. And I think that we want more and more people to connect with that. There are more than 220,000 people still on that registry looking to connect with a family doctor. And it's hard to make gains considering the fact the province's population continues to grow, with a few hundred thousand people added to MSP over the past few years. If we're just always maintaining the status quo and we're just doing good enough, we're not doing good enough. We're not having an impact on improving the well-being of the people that are currently here, as well as addressing those that will come. And it's not just primary care. The province is doing more MRIs than ever before, and yet people still wait making it harder to get the treatment they need. I am absolutely terrified for the people of BC right now because I think that we do not have a healthcare system that is well connected. And I think people are falling through the cracks. Cracks that take more than a doctor's care and a cast to heal. Richard Zospin, Global News, Victoria. More than 700 new $10 a day childcare spaces have now joined BC's $10 a day program. Let's bring in Keith Baldry and Victoria for more. It's a huge saving for families, Keith. 
Yeah, for many young families, you know, getting a, a family doctor is important, but in many cases, getting affordable childcare is even more of a paramount importance. And again, the NDP establishing that $10 a day uh, childcare program in the 2017 election, bit by bit, adding to the spaces today, both levels of government, provincial and federal, joining in a joint announcement, announcing 700 more spaces for $10 a day daycare. Uh, boy, a big lift for a lot of young families around BC. Here's both Minister of Sport, Carla Qualtrough, and BC Minister of State for Child Care, Mitzi Dean. Before the pandemic, families were paying an average of $1,120 a month for child care. These high costs meant that parents often struggled to make ends meet. It also meant that some parents were faced with tough financial choices and forced to compromise their own career objectives and their family's well-being in the process. What that means is that families are paying just $10 a day for childcare. That is saving, on average, $920 per month per child, which is $10,000 a year for, for British Columbian families. And that puts that money back in their pocket. That means they can spend it in the local economy. So again, where are these spaces going to be located? 25 different child care centers in the small town of Houston, northern BC, but also in Squamish, Surrey, and Vancouver. By a couple of months from now, that will bring to 15,000 the number of $10 a day child care spaces. But there's still a long ways to go. A lot of young families out there, parents of young families watching the show tonight and young families themselves uh, know there's a need for a heck of a lot more $10 a day daycare spots. And hopefully that number keeps growing. Mm -hmm. Lots of uh, families on waiting lists right now. All right, thanks yeah. for that, Keith. A major victory for Indigenous families in Canada. The Supreme Court of Canada has upheld the government's Indigenous child welfare law. The landmark ruling affirms that First Nations, Métis and Inuit peoples have sole authority over the protection of their children. Paul Johnson explains. Of course, I screamed. I was really happy. It was uh, yeah, just a great, wonderful moment for our children, a huge win for our children. That was Mary Tiji's reaction to the news from Ottawa Friday morning. The BC-based Indigenous children's advocate saw something she's always known to be an indisputable fact, now affirmed by the Supreme Court of Canada. We know uh, inherently how to take care of our children. For ever, since time immemorial, First Nations, Métis and Inuit people have had the right to take care of their own children and families and that right was ripped away by Canada, by provinces and by territories. Establishing the right of Indigenous people to be in charge of their children was the intent of Bill C-92. Parliament passed it in 2019, but recently the province of Quebec brought a court challenge against it, arguing Ottawa had overstepped its authority. The Supreme Court didn't buy that, though, and upheld the law in a unanimous decision, which is being applauded by First Nations, Métis and Inuit as a victory for their children and their future. To give them a chance to have a, a positive future full of uh, pride within where they come from, our language, within our communities, and also within our governing structures. In BC, a group of carrier Sikani First Nations had intervened in the case. They're feeling a sense of victory, but also remembering those whose memory they fought for. I think of all the ones that are no longer with us, the one that you know died uh, in, in, in horrific situations within care, the ones that were never able to go home because they were in stranger care, I think this win is for them. Paul Johnson, Global News.
The owner of a Vancouver apartment building that was gutted by fire last summer has been fined after pleading guilty to a string of fire code violations. As Travis Prasad reports, he's also been ordered to do more to prevent further damage to, burned out building, to, burn, to the burned out building. Calling it an unusual court appearance would be an understatement. Apartment building owner Fu Ren seemingly trying to reverse the guilty plea he made last November, saying the charges against him should be dropped altogether. The allegations came after a November 2022 fire inspection of Ren's Mount Pleasant rental building. The violations include failing to maintain a fire alarm and sprinkler system and allowing hazards like exposed wires. Representing himself in court, Wren argued the fire department did not follow proper procedures, but eventually pleaded guilty again to six of the 20 counts in a joint submission with Crown. The remaining 14 charges were stayed. All charges against his wife, Feng Yan, were also stayed. The judge granted the city's request to fine Wren a total of $4,500, saying there was no concern for the tenant's safety. Get the money from them, but don't worry what happens with them. It's terrifying. Ideally, in a circumstance like this, I would have been more than pleased on a joint submission to issue a fine of five to $10,000 on each count. Approximately 30 people lost their homes when flames ripped through the rental building last July. Investigators say the fire was accidental, caused by a candle. Seeing essentially what is my entire life, just gone. Ren and Yan also faced charges of violating bylaws after the fire, including failure to immediately board up access points to the burned out building and not setting up 24-hour security to prevent unauthorized entry. The court heard squatters have set at least three additional fires at the property. They've pleaded not guilty and will be back in court sometime after February. Travis Prasad, Global News. A cyclist is dead following a suspected hit and run in Courtney last night. RCMP got a call about an injured cyclist on Comox Valley Parkway at around 11 p.m. First responders found a man with head injuries when they arrived at the scene. They took him to hospital where he later died. The road was shut down for several hours. Fire crews say it's not clear how the cyclist was hit. It was dark. Uh, road was in good condition. It was pretty dry. Uh, it was dark, but uh, I think is uh, the vehicle uh, who hit the bicycle with the, the person on it uh, went to the ditch a little bit, but that is just speculation because the RCMP is doing the investigation. The victim was riding a red and white specialized bicycle at the time. Anyone with information or dash cam footage of the incident is asked to contact Comox Valley RCMP. BC's police oversight agency has found no wrongdoing by police related to a chase in Surrey late last year. Back in November, the BC Highway Patrol attempted to conduct a traffic stop of a farm tractor on Highway 1 near 176th Street. The stop started a police chase, which ended in the tractor crashing into a police cruiser and rolling on the highway. BC's Independent Investigations Office was looking into whether police actions were responsible for the man's injuries in the crash. The agency has now determined there are no grounds to believe an officer has committed an offence.
Well, there's been a last-minute change of heart for organizers of this weekend's Lunar New Year celebrations in Chinatown. There were questions about inclusivity when two groups had their applications to participate in the parade rejected. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, the committee has just reconsidered its position. For many people, the Lunar New Year parade is the highlight of the year. But this year, not everyone who wanted to participate was given the same opportunity. A group called Chinatown Together was initially given the green light to march, but after making its banners, that invitation was pulled. And the reasons cited were political activism. Chinatown Together makes no secret about its fight against what it calls gentrification of the neighborhood, specifically opposing a new development at 105 Kiefer and says the consortium of six groups that support that project also organized the parade. They are putting politics ahead of celebrating. We want to put all those political differences aside and say for this day, we will march with the community at large. They weren't the only group facing exclusion from the festivities. Lunar New Year for All, an organization supporting 2S LGBTQ plus members of the community were also initially told they couldn't participate. We were told that we are not a registered nonprofit society. It's worth noting there are plenty of groups that will be part of the parade and are not registered nonprofits. The explanation seemed to ring a little hollow. The message we receive is really counterintuitive because they need new groups, they want more new groups, and we are here. Global tried to get a spokesperson to explain these exclusions. At a press conference talking about the event's security, one of the groups with its name on the letterhead, Success, deflected the question. We are not intimately involved in the uh, screening and uh, of those uh, parade teams. The committee running the parade changed its position late Friday afternoon, explaining the two groups were being sent letters inviting them back to the parade. No reasons were given for the change of heart. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. The city of Vancouver has unveiled new honorary street signs at Canada Place. Canada Place will now also be known as Komagata Maru Place in a move to acknowledge the city's role in the historical discrimination against South Asian people. In 1914, the Komagata Maru was docked near the current location of Canada Place, carrying nearly 400 Sikh, Hindu and Muslim passengers. The ship sat in the harbour for two months before being unfairly denied entry and forced back to India. My grandfather, Puran Singh Janetpura, came in Komagatamaru, Guru Nanak's stream ship. He came for higher education. He had a university degree from India. Since he went to English school in Ludhiana, he was fluent in English. When ship went back to India, he survived British firing, but he was thrown in the jail along with the other passengers for approximately two to five years. You can't legislate racism away. Um, you have to educate people so they're not ignorant and they understand um, you know, why these cultures are important and why they contribute to the social fabric of our society. Along with the new street signs, new street-level storyboards have also been unveiled. A campaign is underway to save a Surrey pet cemetery. It should stay the way it is. Would you want to dig up your mother's home and build a house on it? 
what a developer wants to build here and why the graveyard isn't protected in just over a minute. What are the BC Winter Games when there's no snow? The balmy conditions forcing organizers to call off several events later on the news hour. Plus, it was really the grace of God that that child is still alive. A warning for parents and drivers after a very close call in an Okanagan parking lot. That's still to come tonight. Right now, though, it sounds like the plot of a Stephen King novel. A developer in Surrey wants to build homes on a pet cemetery. But as Janet Brown reports, the plan is facing backlash and opposition from at least one city councillor. In the middle of a residential neighbourhood in Newton, there is, of all things, a pet cemetery. Well, I'm surprised at how many are here. Um, I had absolutely no idea. There's dozens upon dozens of them. But the cemetery's days could be numbered with a developer wanting to subdivide the property into three single-family residential lots. It's unfortunate because I think people feel very passionate about this. City Councillor Linda Annas says the application for redevelopment will be going to the city's planning department for approval and doesn't require a vote by council. I can't support uh, a piece of land where we know our pets have been buried. People put their pets here and they're thinking it's a forever home and I don't think that this sort of area should be developed. She also wonders if perhaps people could be buried here. We don't know quite frankly and if they start to excavate and they come across human remains they would have to stop immediately. We tried calling the city of Surrey to ask about the possibility of people buried at the site. The person you want to reach is not currently available. But we didn't get anywhere. I don't think it's right. I think they should keep it the way it is, actually. I want some park for the kids. Or we can sit somewhere. Like, we don't have park nearby. The cemetery was created back in the early 1950s when Daniel and Nellie Blair set it up as a business. They donated it to be a pet cemetery and it should stay that forever. There's a horse buried here too, I think, or something, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't think it should be uh, turned into something. I think it should just be left as is. Residents wanting a say on the property are encouraged to submit their comments to the City of Surrey's Planning Department. Janet Brown, Global News. Coming up, big promises from Pierre Poiliev. This is insane, and it should not be happening in Canada. The Conservative leaders pledge to crack down on extortionists targeting small businesses and the skepticism from some in the community. And later, a game-changing discovery. What researchers have found that might one day cure allergies. Federal Conservative leader Pierre Poiliev was in Surrey today, pledging to crack down on a new threat to business owners. But as Kristen Robinson reports, one South Asian community leader is skeptical anything will actually be done. Shots fired at a White Rock home in December linked to threatening letters police and RCMP warned about a month earlier. The authors claiming to be from an Indian gang and demanding $2 million in protection money. We've had three confirmed extortions in Surrey. Concern over extortions and shootings prompted community leader Satish Kumar, whose son's home was hit by bullets, to hold a public forum earlier this month. They're thinking to come to Canada for a peaceful life. But now, driving shootings, that kind of stuff, everybody not 
feel safe. Opposition leader Pierre Polyev taking a shot at extortion Friday in Surrey, where small businesses have received disturbing letters. They'll have fire bombs thrown through their windows. Their kids will be kidnapped. Bullets will fly through the windows of their homes. This is insane and it should not be happening in Canada. Polyev says the Conservatives would establish mandatory three-year prison sentences for anyone convicted of extortion and five-year prison sentences for those convicted of extortion on behalf of gangs and organized crime. Mandatory four-year prison sentences for extortion with a firearm would be restored, while arson would be made an aggravating factor for an extortion charge. Polyev also promising to reverse so-called catch-and-release bail. We will bring in Jail, not bail, for repeat violent extortionists. It's election time. Like people promises too much. Kumar says even if Polyev becomes prime minister, there's no guarantee the Conservatives will follow through on their Stop the Crime pledge. Changing a law is not easy. Meantime, he's urging community members to report extortion attempts to police, no matter how scared they may be. Even you give the money to those guys, they won't stop. They come back again. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Coming up, a potential breakthrough for allergy sufferers. Anytime we go somewhere, it's how many EpiPens do you have? Are we going to a cottage? How far away is the closest hospital? Just in case she eats something. What Canadian researchers have discovered that could be life-changing for millions of people. Plus, the near miss prompting a warning to parents and drivers. More and more Canadian children are at risk of going to school on an empty stomach, and it's getting harder for school nutrition programs to meet their growing need. That's why Global News is partnering with Toonies for Tummies. If you're able, please help hungry children in your community. Donate today. Some chilling surveillance video out of Vernon now, serving as a stark reminder for parents about parking lot safety. Protect your babies. Mm -hmm. Know where they are. The video capturing the moment a toddler was nearly run over by an SUV as the vehicle was leaving a local bowling alley. The driver of the SUV says the three-year-old wasn't tall enough for her to see over the windshield and even her front-end crash alert didn't detect that he was there. She says she only saw the top of the boy's coat, which she had noticed in the bowling alley. If I hadn't seen they were wearing beige coats, I wouldn't even know what that was. I wouldn't have known that was a child. I may not have hit the brakes. The parents, the caregivers, they are fully responsible for those kids. And again, if you're coming out, you're busy, you're sidetracked, stay off your phone. Keep the kids in the cart, hold their hands, put them in your carriers if you've got them. You have to keep contact with those kids. Heather Leesk says the close call is already keeping her up at night, but says she hopes... The video sends a message to all parents. Well, millions of Canadians are impacted by food allergies, which can range from mild to life-threatening. While there's currently no cure, promising new research from Ontario may help find future treatments. Health reporter Catherine Ward has more. There's a level of anxiety that I never knew I would have that will never go away. That has been Renee McKenzie's reality since her daughter Lucy was six months old. The now six-year-old has anaphylactic allergies to sesame and certain kinds of nuts. I jokingly say that sesame is the glitter of the food world because it is sprinkled on everything and it's just such a highly 
cross-contamination item. Daily life is punctuated by a checklist of planning for the worst case scenario. Anytime we go somewhere, it's how many EpiPens do you have? Are we going to a cottage? How far away is the closest hospital? Just in case she eats something, do we have enough EpiPens to get us from point A to a hospital? But new research is offering up hope for the future. Scientists at McMaster University, along with others in Denmark, independently discovered a new type of cell. They're calling the cells type 2 memory B cells, and researchers say they're responsible for the body remembering allergies. This cell is the one that when we are uh, exposed to an allergen, that it will make more of these allergic antibodies and it'll keep us allergic for the long term. Report author Josh Koenig says the discovery paves the way to figure out treatments or even cures for conditions like anaphylaxis. Knowing which cell that we need to go after is really important because now we can, in a precision way, go in and find the pieces to change to ultimately develop better therapies. Food Allergy Canada Executive Director Jennifer Gertz says more than 3 million Canadians are affected by food allergies, including 600,000 children. Discoveries like this one are significant milestones for the community. It would be completely liberating for people if there was a cure for this condition because it would allow us to freely participate um, in everyday life. Catherine Ward, Global News, Toronto. Up next, dreams dashed for hundreds of athletes. DC Games is really it. And right now we just can't compete in that. Why Alpine events are being called off at this year's BC Winter Games. And still to come, the grass is always greener when it's real. The plan to put a natural pitch in place for the World Cup at BC Place. We're already who BC starts their morning with. The fact that they tune into us means I think that we're doing a good job. Viewers just want trustworthiness. They want us to be credible. Wake up to Global News Morning. Weekdays from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. We are BC's News. Well, it has certainly been feeling more like spring than midwinter lately, and that's bad news for the BC Winter Games. As Catherine Urquhart reports, with little to no snow at one of the main competition venues, organizers have had to cancel several events. Splish, splash, I was taking a bath. At Troll Ski Resort in Quinell, some have a sense of humor about the lack of snow. But with the 2024 Winter Games less than two weeks away, there's disappointing news. Three sports organizations have withdrawn. This is, is a first. We've had to certainly adapt sports over the years for different reasons with the weather or the community. But to actually have three withdrawals is really unfortunate. About 240 athletes will be impacted by the withdrawal. We're really looking forward to competing and meeting other other athletes in the sport, but unfortunately that couldn't happen. And... A lot of people really practice for it, like all year, and some people don't have access to go to timber tours or other events like that, and BC Games is really it. Yeah. And right now we just can't compete in that. A lot of athletes were looking forward to coming to our uh, to our hill and, and racing in both freestyle and uh, snowboard and, and, of course, alpine. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's really unfortunate. There's just not, not, nothing that we could do. This is of course, most sports will go ahead. Well, there will be 1,200 athletes that are still competing in the 13 sports that are left in the Games. The Winter Games are set to go ahead February 22nd through the 25th. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
All right, well, let's hope we can get some snow uh, onto mm -hmm. our ski hills at some point during the season, Christy. What do you remember during the 2010 Olympic Games? We had to truck in snow the local mm -hmm. mountains to be able to make that happen. They don't have quite the budget, I think, for the Winter Games here in BC, so that may not have been an option. But certainly, yeah, tough, a tough go. I thought I would just start off with this image from Comox this morning. Bob Lee sharing this with us at the sunrise this morning. All right, so let's get into things. It was a beautiful day today. Tomorrow we're expecting mainly cloudy skies, and we do have a chance of rainfall. It stays low through the early part of the day and then be begins to pick up. So we are expecting rainfall through the latter part of the day, Saturday, Saturday night into Sunday. If you're headed out to the Lunar New Year Parade, make sure you're prepared for wet weather. The rain will be on and off on Sunday, but it certainly will be more on than off. Meanwhile, we have a snowfall warning in place for the North Coast inland sections, terrace particularly, so 10 to 15 centimeters tonight and into tomorrow morning. Here's a look at that system bringing the snowfall. We'll also see snowfall in the Caribou Central Interior regions, and there's the rainfall shifting down into Metro Vancouver, through the latter part of the day and continuing to impact the area on Sunday also. So here's a look at your forecast for Saturday. We're expecting snowfall from Prince George through the Caribou region, about five centimeters throughout the day. Further south, Kamloops, Kelowna, it's just a slight chance of a flurry or shower. Rainfall, though, expected across Vancouver Island. And for our region here, we'll see a chance of showers earlier in the day, changing over to periods of rain later in the day. And I wanted to mention, if you're wondering, will, will we see snow on the local mountains, I tend to use seven degrees as my benchmark. So seven degrees and above in Metro Vancouver, we tend to get rainfall for the local mountains. So uh, hopefully we'll get some rain through the overnight period, but otherwise during the day or during yeah the afternoon hours, it looks like rainfall. Here's tonight's yes, Central bro. Windows weather window coming to you from Tofino. Bernie sharing this photo with us. It was just from yesterday, uh, the sunset. Beautiful shot. Sophie, back to you. Best place to see a sunset. All right, thanks, Christy. Well, as we've been talking about, it has been a rough winter so far for the North Shore Mountains, but the local hills are doing everything they can to try to open more terrain with Family Day coming up February 19th. The Global One helicopter flew over Grouse Mountain this afternoon where the snowmaking guns were fired up, pumping out fresh snow onto the barren slopes. The mountain hopes to make enough snow overnight to open the peak chairlift tomorrow morning. At Cyprus, the upper slopes are already open, but skiers still need to ride the chairlift back down the mountain as there's just not enough snow to ski from the top of the mountain down to the base. That sounds like the good name for a skier. What's your name? My name is Baron Slopes. Baron Slopes. <laughs> Have you ever skied? Do you ski? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> no. I like, I like warm weather sports. That right. does not Golf. look warm to me. Golf, and yes. And tennis. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Golf, I've gone up and down hills, but no. It's not usually <laughs> Not quite the same. Not quite the same. All right, what you got? Well, I'll talk about golf because Nick Taylor of Abbotsford had a huge first round at the uh, Phoenix Open. Then he played the second round. Not as good, but he's still in a tie for the lead. And he did that on grass. And then we're going to talk about grass at BC Play Stadium, wow. which of course will be, see how I did that. Wait, way to tie it all in together. Yeah, well, you know they say, you know, that's as boring as watching grass grow. We're gonna talk about grass growing and it won't be boring. No, it won't be boring at all. All right, thanks, Squire. Also tonight. Remember when you used to be a pepper lady? Wasn't it the cinnamon sisters? Basil babes? Paprika girls? No, that's absurd. <laughs> a Super Bowl edition of Satellite Debris coming up.
Wearing my glasses so I can see your sports. Okay, it's okay. good. Get them all cleaned up. Now I can watch. All right. So Go ahead. Let us begin because the Phoenix Open is the party tournament of the PGA season. It's about as close as you'll get to Caddyshack on the PGA. All that's missing is a marauding gopher and Bill Murray chasing him around with plastic explosives. But it was raining on this party yesterday, which softened up the course for today when most players had to finish round one and then start round two. Some didn't even start round two at all. As for Nick Taylor, a wet golf course reminds him of home. He knows all about playing in those conditions by growing up in Abbotsford. And his first round was something to behold. There is the famous 16th where they have the stadium and people boo if you don't make the green and they cheer like crazy if you do something great. And here's Nick. This is on number 16, but actually it was his seventh hole. Started on the back nine. His putting was fantastic. Well, when you hit shoot 60, which he did in the first round, 11 under par, which tied the record at that tournament. You know you're going to make putts. You know you're going to make great shots. You're not going to make many mistakes. But he had four putts over 20 feet. And, of course, we learned last year at the Canadian Open that long putts do not scare Nick Taylor. At the 72-footer to win the Canadian Open, these weren't 72 feet, but you still had to make them. And as they say in golf, at this level, it's essentially a chipping and putting contest, and he was putting great. Not as good on the second 18 but uh, he is at 12 under par and tied for the lead with Andrew Novak. All right. When BC Place was given seven games for the World Cup of Soccer in 2026, everybody was pleasantly surprised. However, now comes the hard part because they have to make some alterations to BC Place Stadium. Now, of course, we had the Women's World Cup final at BC Place a number of years ago when that was held. BC Place did not have to change the turf, but for the Men's World Cup, that will be the biggest change of all. When BC Place general manager Chris May looks upon his field of dreams, he sees artificial turf. But when the Dream Soccer Tournament comes to town in June of 2026, the turf will get real, as in grass real. But it won't be just installed for the seven World Cup games. It's going to get a test run, so to speak. Um, you know, I think right now we're looking at it, the grass will probably go in early 2026 and we'll try and get it in a place where the Whitecaps could play a few games on it in advance of the shutdown. I think that's the goal. We have to work through that reality, obviously, and when it gets installed and then how long it'll take to grow to, to its usable place. The grass will be initially grown outside of BC Place and maintained once it's in, and there's a good chance that this grass could be from BC. Who actually preps and grows that in advance is something we're working on. I mean, obviously, we some of the best turf in the world is grown in the Fraser Valley. So, you know, not a widely known fact. So hopefully we can we can work with a local supplier to make sure that the grass in here for the games is, is from the lower mainland. But while the Whitecaps and Lions would love to have that grass stay on after BC Place's part of the World Cup is over, it looks like the natural turf would have to make way once again for the artificial kind. That's what we're thinking right now. Um, when is the question? Um, because the reality is an enormous amount of our business and our revenue and our profit here is driven by our entertainment, our concerts. And real grass does not like concerts to be on top of it. You know, the reality is one concert night is about eight or nine days of our field being covered. You can't really do more than five or six on grass. 
And the thought of having a grass field outside of BC Place to roll in on game days like they do in Vegas at Allegiant Field won't work either. We don't have the exterior space. We don't, there's definitely not the budget to pay for that type yeah. of system. So again, how can we give FIFA and, and the teams and the players what they need, but do it in the most efficient way? And it's not just about installing natural grass. There will be some other changes at BC Place with the World Cup coming. Adjusting a little bit of the seating for sight lines, uh, changing some of the unused areas into some hospitality spaces, and then a big effort around accessibility. You know, our, our, the, the reality is our experience for a guest with accessible needs here isn't good enough, and we're hoping that we can improve that greatly through FIFA. Tomorrow, the Vancouver Canucks are in Detroit for a game that you can eat breakfast while you're watching because it'll start at 10 a.m. our time. Of course, Vancouver is coming off that 4-0 loss to Boston last night where the Canucks allowed two shorthanded goals in the first period and the Elias-Elias combination wasn't so good. It was minus eight combined. And the uh, Canucks' best players were simply outplayed by Boston's. You know, these are, this, when you, these are big time games. You know, Marshawn and Pasternak, you know, great players, and they showed up. You know, we got to have that kind of thing. Now, listen, there's our first loss in, like, I don't know how many games, 13, 14, so I can't get too critical, but these are big games you'd like to see a little bit better from some guys, and, you know, those two short the, the short-hand goal is really is, a, is something you cannot do in big critical games. There you go. All right. Satellite Debris, the Super Bowl edition is yes. up next. Early Super Bowl. The CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day campaign recognizes the importance of diversity. Pink Shirt Day, Wednesday, February 28th. Presented by Fortis BC. Purchase this year's shirt at London Drugs. Jordan Armstrong is here now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan? Sophie, tonight from the only in Vancouver file, a real head-scratcher <laughs> in Kitsilano. Neighbours are very curious about what is going on with this Tesla Model 3. The high-end vehicle hasn't moved in months, the tickets have been piling up, and the city now considers it abandoned. At 11, what we're learning about this mystery ride and what the next step is if the owner doesn't move it soon. The full story tonight at 11. Sophie? A surprising car to <laughs> abandon. Thank you, Jordan. We'll look for it then. Couldn't charge up, I guess. I'll take it. Yeah, you couldn't find a plug. Hard to find an EV charger <laughs> these days. All right. Um, Taylor Swift will be busy this weekend, going back and forth from Japan to Las Vegas and mm -hmm. upsetting all, <laughs> all sorts of people in the U.S., the mega people in the U.S. But anyway. She'll get there. She'll get there. Yes, she yes. will. Thanks to time zones. Um, and if you're at the game, of course, live, you won't see any of the Super Bowl commercials. So we thought we'd show you a few now because some of them aren't seen in Canada either. I think it's $7 million for a half-minute commercial in the Super Bowl this year. And a lot of companies figure, well, if we're going to pay $7 million just to get the ad on the air, why don't we pay some more and get some big stars on our ads? Yeah. And we'll start with Uber Eats for that. <laughs> I didn't know you could get all this stuff on Uber Eats. Yeah. I remember that. Well, you know what they say, in order to remember something, you gotta forget something else. Make a little room. And that's how I remember Uber Eats has coffee, by forgetting something else. <laughs> Have a seat. <laughs> a what? Remember when you used to be a pepper lady? Wasn't it the Cinnamon Sisters? Basil babes? Paprika girls? No, that's absurd. Jen! 
Hey. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh. Um. Okay. Have we met? Someone doodle on my face? I'm so glad I remembered Uber Eats has office supplies, but I feel like I forgot something. Yeah. There's peanuts and peanut butter? It's not coming off! Oh, it's the primary ingredient. Give me hands. Worked together for 10 years. 10 years? Yeah. You were great. You still don't know, do you? I don't. Right. Like I forget 10 years of my life. I hate this town. I hope I get to play the halftime show someday, man. Because <laughs> he is the halftime show, the right? Halftime show. Yes, he is. Yeah. Usher is the halftime show. Okay. So uh, these next two, uh, one from uh, one is from, I should say, Estes, and the other is from Reese's. Here we go. Oh crap! That's a really good gift. Now we gotta get France something. Wait. We could use Etsy's new gift mode. Yes. What are the French like? Anyone? Cheese. They like cheese. Brilliant. Done. Plateau de fromage. Ooh la la. Don't panic. Get easy with gift mode. New on Etsy. We're making a big change to Reese's peanut butter cups. We're adding a delicious layer of caramel. Yes! 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 I love caramel! Yes! 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 But we're only making a few of them. No! A few million. Yeah! Wait, are you still selling the regular cups? Yup. Yeah! New Reese's Caramel Big Cup. Yes! Too much Did of a good thing? Did anyone else notice the hula hooping dog? <laughs> I missed the hula hooping dog. We oh, have yeah. to rewind There's that one and look at it again. Dog there. I was just trying to process how I felt, how I feel about caramel and a Reese's peanut butter cup. It's yeah. a lot in one. I'm not it's sure if I could. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sensory overload. Okay. Okay. And so last two, uh, one featuring. Uh, well, you'll you'll recognize this guy right off the start. We have two here for you. Nice ride. It's the real deal. Hundred percent electric. It's. The real deal. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. Enjoy your coffee. Careful talk. Okay, thanks. Your dog's so cute. Mm, yeah. Ooh, so adorable. Yeah, wow. Yeah, we both know it's the man makes the clothes. You know, you look nice. Okay, we're done. Hello, Mr. Walken. Does this table work for you? Yeah. Yeah. Did someone say yeah? Don't you got somewhere to be? Yeah. <laughs> oh. There's only one Christopher Walken and only one ultimate driving machine. The rest are just imitations. Come on. Leftover chicken, scallions, cheese. What am I going to make with this? Mayo. Mayo. Hellman's. Holy you can talk. And then she says, Meow. and boom, Hellman saves the leftovers. Oh my gosh, this cat is talking. She can't spell. It's mine. And now, our keynote speaker. Meow. All right, now look at the jaw. Look at the jaw, now look at me. Give me a little. Now, mommy, look up and look away. That's your tummy, your tummy. This cat is everywhere. 
provincial Mayocat. Mayocat arrives at Global Summit. Hi. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. All yeah. Right. If we really only have 10 seconds left, I guess that's it then. Christy, quick word on the weather. Okay, rainfall this weekend, everyone. Hopefully some snow for the local mountains, but it is going to be fairly mild. All right. Uh, happy Lunar New Year, everyone. Enjoy.